but instead it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in for this Friday, August 6th edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us here on this particular episode of our podcast, whether you're doing so on Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other five platforms. We do appreciate you taking some time to join us. And as always, we thank our sponsor, and that is Soul Boxer, crafting and bottling bartender quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. The Brandy Old Fashioned, the Bourbon Old Fashioned, and the Manhattan are all crafted to remain true to their supper club origin. So as we work our way into the weekend, a lot of stuff happening in the world of sport here in the 414 around the state and the country for all that matter, we had Football, finally, and that took place last night, the Hall of Fame game between Pittsburgh and Dallas. And listen, if you sat down and watched it like I did, you were not bedazzled in any stretch of the imagination by the play on the field. I mean, there were some rookies and some guys who you could call veterans who have been in and around the league who are trying to earn a spot, who made some plays that grabbed your attention. But overall, the level of play, obviously, The very first preseason game isn't necessarily up to the same caliber that you'll find in week seven or eight of the regular season. But what was nice about the Hall of Fame game, other than all of the inductees that were being interviewed and recognized throughout, was the fact that we finally had football on the field with fans in the stands. So it was this, again, sense of normalcy that was taking place that you're able to sit back with a, uh, a sole boxer in hand and watch some NFL football on a Thursday night, which was, it, it was comforting almost. It, it just, it, it felt like everything else that's going on in the world has kind of righted itself. And now we're back to the way things should be. So with that, the Green Bay Packers, will be having their family night on Saturday, and it's one of those interesting experiences that you will not find necessarily anywhere else in the NFL. Not too many NFL franchises can draw 40, 50, even 60,000 people on a Saturday evening to what now is practice. You know, back in the day, you used to get a little green and white scrimmage going, but as coaches now are holding their starters back, You get a little bit of a glorified practice in the midst of Lambeau Field, and yet we'll still, as I said, find anywhere between 35 and 60,000 people showing up. And there will be some things to look at, and we'll cover those in just a moment. But again, the story, obviously, that has been in the forefront for an exceedingly long time now it just feels like forever even though it only goes back to April and that's been Aaron Rodgers 
So in the midst of everything last night, Jay Glazer on the NFL on Fox broadcast brought up some news regarding Aaron Rodgers. And this is what Jay Glazer from Fox Sports had to say. Aaron Rodgers and the last dance. Look, they have about six months to try and repair that relationship. If at the end of this year, Aaron Rodgers decides he wants out, they have to trade Aaron Rodgers. They've agreed to it already. So that was Jay Glazer again on Fox Sports, part of the NFL coverage of the Hall of Fame game, talking about the fact that apparently the Green Bay Packers have already agreed in principle with Aaron Rodgers that after this season, they will go ahead and trade him. Also, though mentioned within that statement from Jay Glazer, is the Packers have six months to try and repair the damaged relationship that currently exists. Now, a couple of things, and I was going to save this for later in the, in the podcast, but I think I'm going to jump at it right now since it all ties together a bit. One of the things, as we've talked about, as Aaron Rodgers has talked about, as the entire media circus has talked about with regards to this relationship is the fact that Aaron Rodgers would love a seat at the table. In other words, talk to me about when we get into personnel moves. And there's there's a couple of distinct, distinct as he says five times fast, things you need to look at as this moves forward into the regular season. Number one, watch the number of questions at pressers whether it's by the locker room, in the press conference room, wherever the case may be, especially when we get towards the end of training camp, and obviously players will have to be cut. The first question almost undoubtedly will be, did you ask Aaron? And if Aaron's at the podium, Aaron, did they ask you? That's, that's what's going to happen. And we're going to hear that as personnel changes are made throughout the year, whether or not Aaron was asked, whether or not Aaron had input. So get ready for that. Secondly, I couldn't help but watch as things unfolded this week with the Green Bay Packers, with some other teams in professional sports, and most namingly, the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers this week made their own version, in essence, of a super team. So you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis, they've added Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard now is in the mix, Carmelo Anthony is in the mix. So again, you've got this super team, but you in essence have a super team that is aged. All of the players that I just mentioned are very, very talented athletes, but they're all getting a little bit long in the tooth. Make no mistake about it. LeBron James is the GM in L.A. LeBron James is the one who is pulling the trigger on these various acquisitions. They have a GM. I would almost guess it's a name only. Uh, He's got probably a very nice little nameplate on his desk and a sign at his door to those who are walking in announcing that he is the general manager of the Lakers, but it's LeBron James who's making these calls. And so... Though we're talking about basketball in relation to football, two very different entities, keep an eye on what happens to the Lakers. The Lakers are kind of going all in with the players LeBron James would love to have play alongside with him. Will that then manifest itself into a championship? Obviously, only time will tell, but looking at the players who are coming in, 
Anthony Davis has not shown a propensity to stay healthy. Russell Westbrook, when it comes time for the playoffs, has not shown a propensity to stay healthy. Dwight Howard, really getting up in years. They're going to have to watch his minutes regarding injury. Carmelo Anthony, though had a very successful season prior, has a history of missing games due to injury. And that all will happen as you begin getting older. So keep an eye on the Lakers, because the Lakers, to me, are the poster child of what Aaron Rodgers would love to have. He would love to have say in all of the different matters. And we kind of went through his diatribe on the last podcast when he talked about the various players that he thought were disrespected as they left the Green Bay Packer organization. Now, I had somebody then throw back at me, what about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when you have the GOAT down there at quarterback asking for some players? And they're right. Tom Brady did ask for a couple of players. He asked for Antonio Brown, and he asked for Rob Gronkowski. He asked for those two players, and those two players were put into the mix. But the one thing you have to remember is prior to Tom Brady going to Tampa, the core group was there. And yes, they added some veteran pieces, but that core group had been built. And the one thing they lacked was at the quarterback position and not only the quarterback position, but the quarterback as a leader. And that's where Tom Brady fit. Tom Brady did not choose Tampa Bay because he could go to Tampa Bay and build an entire roster on his own. Tom Brady chose Tampa Bay because he knew the components were already in existence. In other words, the front office had already done their due diligence. Yes, he asked for a player or two, but the front office had already built that team. So I I don't necessarily equate what's happening with the Lakers in the same fashion I would equate what's happening in Tampa Bay. I get the idea, at least right now, that Aaron Rodgers would love to have more of a LeBron James, L.A. Laker role than a Tom Brady, Tampa Bay role. That's just an impression. And who knows if you're right or wrong because we're giving out impressions. But it'll be interesting to see moving forward how this plays out. Now, I'll say, listening to Glazer last night talk about the fact that this truly could be the last dance for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers is not necessarily overly surprising. But it was a little bit of a punch in the gut after, you know, you you, you see the social media release, the little snippet of Aaron throwing a ball 50-plus yards into a net sitting at the corner of the end zone basically getting a curtain call and yelling out, I still got it. The man can still play football, but again, can the relationship moving forward be reconciled or are we watching what could be the last dance? And if it is the last dance, what a story it would be if the Green Bay Packers could go out as Super Bowl champs. Now, as I said, we've got uh, family night, boy, say that five times fast, coming up on Saturday. A couple of things to watch. Number one, obviously watch the quarterback position. Now, how much will Aaron Rodgers see of the field? Who knows? But the emphasis and all eyes will be on Jordan Love. Remember, we did not get a look at Jordan Love outside of a little bit of mini camp and a, a couple of other things last year because of COVID. There was no preseason, there was no family night, none of those things. So the eyes of the world 
will be on Jordan Love, watching how he performs, especially when they get to the 11-on-11 period. That will be that will be almost first take on SportsCenter come Saturday night. Regardless of what happens anywhere else, it'll be the fact that there's Aaron Rodgers standing in the background watching his heir apparent operate the offense in an 11-on-11 drill. So keep an eye on that. Also keep an eye on the slot positions. Obviously, Randall Cobb being back into the mix, there are a number of younger players that are vying for those slot roles. Eric Eric Stokes, my goodness, and Shamar Jean Charles, Jean Charles. Can I speak? I almost feel like I should just stop and redo this whole thing, but I won't. The fact that the slot position will be very, very important. Randall Cobb will play an important role. That's They brought him in to do such, and they brought him in, obviously, because he is in, in tune with Aaron Rodgers. But some of these younger guys who will see extensive time throughout the season, keep an eye on that. Also, if we're allowed to see, if we're not up there, and you're allowed to watch it as the practice moves forward, as it's being televised, the one-on-one drills especially those one-on-one drills where you have an outside rusher against one of the offensive tackles. Watching how that plays out will give you a pretty good determination of how the practice will move forward. So again, we get family night, our first look at the Green Bay Packers coming up on Saturday evening. And again, all eyes will definitely be on Jordan Love as Many fans will get their first true look at how he operates that offense under Matt LaFleur's system. So with that, let's move on and talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers as they start a big weekend series at AmFam Field. And we'll talk about it right after this. Let's get back at it here as we look at the Milwaukee Brewers who have a huge series coming up with the San Francisco Giants at AmFam Field beginning tonight. But before we get to that, I want to go back into the Pirate series in which the Brewers took two of three. And really the story of the Pirate series came a couple of days ago when Adrian Hauser, who had a no-hitter intact in the seventh inning, got pulled by Craig Council. And it set off, in essence, a firestorm on social media both ways. There are those who thought it was the correct move because Hauser had now exceeded over 100 pitches, and there were those that thought, you know, it isn't often that you get an opportunity to throw a no-hitter. Why are we pulling Hauser at this point? What really irked me though however in the midst of all of that was the heat that Craig Council took now if you followed Craig Council during his tenure now as a Milwaukee Brewers manager you know one thing there are very few times that Craig Council manages by what we'll say is his gut Craig Council has a mapped out plan of how he wants to see things work out 
And Craig Council isn't going to concern himself whether or not we as fans think Adrian Hauser should have continued moving forward with that opportunity for a no-hitter. Now, again, the debate on both sides, terrific. Where I took issue with is immediately because they end up losing that game in 10 innings, which wasn't Council's fault per se, wasn't Hauser's fault, it was the bullpen's fault. The bullpen failed the Brewers that particular evening. Just that particular evening is suddenly, yeah, we got to get rid of Craig Council. Craig Council doesn't know what he's doing. Craig Council is Craig Council. It was mind-numbing to look at. And we'll have this same sort of discussion when we get to the Milwaukee Bucks in our last segment. This immediate reaction, this immediate firestorm over a decision. Now, I'll say this. If he's allowed to pitch, and let's say he works his way through seven and maybe gets his way into eight, maybe he goes that, maybe he gets the no-hitter. But in order for him to get that no-hitter, I, I would almost bet, easily bet, the way he was struggling, especially with first batters in each inning as that game went through, is that Hauser would have probably thrown somewhere in the area of 130, 140, maybe even 150 pitches. Would anybody then care if we're in September we're making this playoff run, we're making this push against a team like that's heading into AmFam Field, like the Giants, like the Dodgers, like the Padres. Would anybody really care if Hauser got a no-hitter when that time comes? And would you really then risk having one of your key elements, one of your starting pitchers, be on the shelf or not necessarily be the same pitcher that existed here in July, early August because you wanted to give the guy a shot at a no-hitter. Listen, as a fan, yes, you would love to see a no-hitter. It, it would be spectacular. But Hauser, though effective, wasn't 100% sharp on that evening. There were some great defensive plays that took place. He made some great pitches w when the chips were down, so to speak, and got out of some innings where he struggled at the beginning of the inning. If he had been on point from the first batter of every single inning, we might not be having this discussion. But just the viral outrage towards Council, a manager who really has gotten this team to grow in successive years, they're now a consistent member of the playoff group, shall we call it that, you go back how many years this team, if they were above 500, we were celebrating. Now we have a team that can make a consistent run to the playoffs. We've got a manager who knows how to deal with, A, the personalities in the locker room, and B, knows how to manage a game whether we like it or not. Council has shown that he can manage a ball club, and yet because he pulled a pitcher who thought or many thought, had an opportunity to go nine and get the no-hitter and get the win, and it didn't help, obviously, that they ended up losing the game in extra innings. Just the reaction, I guess, is what really bothered me. And I, I just thought, when we're looking at one of the best managers in baseball, 
He just simply is. Now, we've got this thing about managers and coaches in our state. They are not the greatest sound bites when it comes to media time. You know, council has got that, aw shucks, well, here's what we did and, and move forward. Paul Christ has got that same mentality. Budenholzer has that same approach, and I'll, I'll call it an approach, but it's that same take when he's being interviewed. We've got these guys who are not necessarily soundbite machines, but know exactly what it is they're doing when it's time to start the game. I just thought it was unfair for somebody of the caliber right now of Craig Council. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be questioned. That That's not what I'm saying. You can question him. But sometimes when we question a decision, it goes way too far. And it just felt like things had gone way too far the other night because of the fact that, A, the no-hitter went by the wayside, and, B, they ended up losing the game in extra innings. So the Brewers in first place in the Central take on the Giants. The Brewers 65-44, and 44, the Giants 69-40. and 40. So this should be a whale of a series here. And it's one of those that should be looked at as a potential NLCS matchup when we start getting into the end of September, early October. These are the kind of series right now that will give us a little bit of an indication as to how well the Brewers will do when when we get to that postseason time. And right now, it, it would take a catastrophe, a Titanic-sized ca- catastrophe, in order for the Brewers not to make the playoffs this season. So again, tonight, Giants-Brewers, Giants-Brewers all weekend long. It's Webb and Burns, Webb for the Giants, Burns for the Brewers taking the mound, and we'll see how these things play out. Before we wrap things up on this Friday edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, let's look at the NBA, specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. A couple bills being made here during this free agency window, and we'll get to it in just a sec. All right, let's finish things up talking some NBA basketball, specifically with our Milwaukee Bucks, as some free agency news was made in the last couple of days. While the MVP has taken the MVP trophy and the NBA trophy to Greece, Giannis and his brothers traveling along with their mother around Greece, uh, showing off the the trophy in various tourist spots in and around Athens and so forth. So it's been kind of neat to watch that transpire um, here as of late. But with that, we've had some free agency news, and it looks as if George Hill will return to the Milwaukee Bucks after being traded a couple years ago to the Sixers. George Hill will return. Now, let me go back to what I was saying earlier about Craig Council, social media, the social media outcry over losing P.J. Tucker is, in some cases, why social media is great and, in some cases, why social media can be a royal pain in the rear end. One, yes, there are a ton of Bucks fans, including myself, that hated to see P.J. Tucker leave. P. 
P.J. Tucker was such an integral part of this championship run, and not only was he an integral part of the championship run, he was one of those players kind of like Bobby Portis Jr. that got adopted by the city. Like, it just fit. It was a match made in heaven, so to speak. And you saw that, especially during the championship celebration, P.J. Tucker just became a pseudo-Milwaukeean. But business is business, and this is where the front office has to operate. And as we talked about in the last podcast, the estimated luxury tax hit on P.J. Tucker would be upwards of $30 million, and that's if you sign Tucker to a $7 million a year contract. Tucker went to Miami. He gets $15 million a year over two years. It's awesome for P.J. Tucker. I, you can understand why he would make that move to Miami because it's an obvious pay raise. The taxes are lower. There's all kinds of financial incentives to make that move. And now he also has a ring on his finger. On his finger. So we celebrate the fact that P.J. Tucker was a member of the Milwaukee Bucks, but the business side of things, that's the reality of what takes place, whether we're talking the NBA, the NFL, or Major League Baseball. And so George Hill clearing waivers gave the Bucks an opportunity to bring back a veteran, a veteran who knows the city, a veteran who knows the system, a veteran who knows the guys on the team and can just fit right in. Now, immediately you hear about whether uh, George Hill's contract would be in the same essence of what they could have offered P.J. Tucker. That will remain to be seen. Because it's more than just the upfront money. It's more than just $15 million a year, $7 million a year, $11 million a year. It all then boils into how it affects the salary cap. And even though it sounds like it's cut and dry, they never are. But anyway, George Hill coming back. And we'll see as the Bucks move forward, you're going to see more announcements like George Hill. As we said in the last podcast, you're going to see more veteran minimal one-year deals to help support the core. You hear it on the national media, well, the Bucks didn't do this, the Bucks didn't do that. The Bucks already have their core in place. You have other teams out there who are trying to establish a core. LeBron James is in L.A. trying to continually establish a core because he thought Anthony Davis was the missing piece, and he was two years ago. When Anthony Davis was healthy, Anthony Davis was great in the bubble down in Orlando. But Anthony Davis last year couldn't stay healthy. LeBron James is getting up in years. You've got to monitor his minutes in order to maintain his health. They're still looking for that core, that piece or pieces to surround LeBron James with in order to have the kind of success like the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks already have that in place. Between Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, that is your core moving forward, at least for the next few years. So to to poo-poo what the Bucks did or didn't do as free agency opened, that's an East and West Coast thing. That's a major market thing, and we've seen that when the Bucks made their their playoff run. You know, we we heard about how we're such a terrible city. It's all of that East and West Coast bias that infects what takes place here in the middle of the country. The honest to goodness answer is the fact that 
the components are there for the Bucks because somebody like Dante DiVincenzo was injured, there's another element that we did not see in the Eastern Conference Finals or in the NBA Finals because of his injury. There's another component that if he stays healthy, there's another element you add to the mix. You bring somebody like George Hill back. The Bucks are going to be just fine. Again, they don't need to make splashy moves like other teams have had to do because the core – is already in place. All right, that'll wrap things up on this Friday. I appreciate you checking out our podcast. We thank Soul Boxer, as always, who are crafting and bottling bartender-quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. The brandy old-fashioned, the bourbon old-fashioned, the Manhattan are all crafted to remain true to their supper club origins. Have yourself a great weekend. Be safe, and we'll put the weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast out on Sunday. I'm Don Wachillis. Take care, everybody.